Hello, you cat and dog people. This is It's Training Cats and Dogs, the show for people with both cats and dogs who want peace in their home and peace between their animals. I'm Naomi Rotenberg, your source of practical strategies for keeping everyone in your multi-species household safe and sane. And today's episode is kind of a special one. We're doing a sort of retroactive coaching call with Katya Litsky, the host of the Animal That Changed You podcast, writer, shelter volunteer, and foster, and a self-described animal person. (laughs) She has one dog right now, Sassy. She's had many pets in the past, and she really wants a goat, Uh, but her husband only has so much patience. So... Welcome, Katya. Thank, Thank you. you so much for being here. I'm really excited to chat with you about your all of your experiences. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I love your podcast and I love your like specific niche. And hearing you say that my husband wouldn't let me have a goat, like the way you said it made me think maybe I should switch my husband for a goat and just be like, <laughs> I love you, but you did this to yourself and I want the goat. So I think I'm going to rescue a goat and you can fend for yourself out there. I don't know. Well, he does have like credit cards and stuff, so it's probably easier. (laughs) (laughs) He could like, you know, navigate the human world a little bit more. It's true. It's true. So as a listener of the podcast, you know that we like to start our episodes with a little silly game of two truths and a lie so that we can all get to know you as a human. Yeah. We're going to talk a lot about your animals. So lay it on me. Tell me two truths and a lie about yourself that I will try to guess the lie. And I'm just going to pretend like I'm good at this game. Okay. Ready? Go. Okay. Um, I um, have never owned a hairdryer. I love cockroaches. I have been turned down by a car wash business establishment multiple times because of the amount of dog poo in my car. They don't even want my business. Oh my God, those are really good. (laughs) And also, so (laughs) I I don't know, but... I also don't own a hair dryer. Um, I have very, I have curly hair. Everybody, if you know, it's very nice. You guys, I'm looking at it. She has beautiful hair, (laughs) but you know, like you know, hair dryers could mess everything up. So, um, air dry all the way. So let's see. I'm I'm gonna pretend like that's the answer, just so that we have some kind of camaraderie. That 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 is a truth. No, that is true. It's Um, that is that. I'm gonna guess that's true. I'm also gonna guess. The dog thing is true. No, yes, the dog thing has to be true. It was too um, specific. <laughs> oh, it, it, yeah, you like cockroaches. That okay? You know what? I'm gonna go with cockroaches as a lie. You're very good at that. My my uh, dog is shaking out. I I I think you are actually very good at this game. I've heard you on many episodes, and I'm like, she's <laughs> kind of really good at it. Here's my problem with hair dryers. There's such a commitment. I have to just stand there and dry my hair. I don't know. I'm not made that way. You know, my brain's like, you could be reading a book. You could be writing an article. You could be reading an article. You could go for a run. I'm, I'm going to just, I don't care that much about my hair. You know what I'm saying? Why do I have a hair dryer then? Don't have one. You're right. We have right. this in common. Okay. Check. Awesome. Check and check. 
being a shelter, an animal shelter volunteer means that often I transport dogs. And did I have to learn the hard way? And am I stubborn and didn't learn it after the first time that you have to let the dog go to the bathroom before they get in the car? (laughs) Multiple times, I'm talking fire hydrant, poop, surfing in it. I'm driving like Ace Ventura with my hair down, like my head out the window, you know, hair blown (laughs) the breeze in LA on the, you know, 105, just being like, why would I do this? Getting turned down by car wash. I'm like, this is a place of business. I'm offering you all the money that you ask for. Just help me. And they're like, I'm sorry. We say no. <laughs> it's happened more than one time, which says, un, you know, unfortunate so you things had about to me. Detail your own shit. <laughs> well, the second time it happened was with a Rottweiler shepherd mix named Bardo. That's so weird that I remember Bardo. He was so cute. He was like a big bear cub. And he was going to Best Friends Animal Sanctuary, which was a big deal. And I was just taking him to like the drop-off point. And you would think a smart person would be like, hey, we've been through this. <laughs> didn't didn't get it yet. I needed, I had more to learn. And they I, by the third car wash, they finally said, okay, ma'am we will help you. And it cost me like 200 bucks. I called my husband crying from the car wash. He was cracking up. I was like, it's not, it's not exact. See, I need the goat. I love the man, but I think I need my goat. Cockroaches terrify me. And I have an unnatural fear of them that maybe warrants a trip to the therapist's office. I mean, that's fair. Most people are not big fans. (laughs) That's that's a good point. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) there's, there's many stranger things that you could not enjoy. You're right. You're you right. You get a bad rap. I I would like to meet someone who loves cockroaches, though, just to understand. Like I I am I could probably listen to that person talk for hours and hours. I'm just I'm very curious. Bug people are very into their bugs, so mm-hmm. we should find one on this podcast. <gasps> Although not really related to cats and dogs. <laughs> You'll find a way, Naomi. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it. There'll be a little, uh, a little thread there. Um, <laughs> okay, so we definitely know so much about you and your non-desire for hair dryers mm-hmm. and commitment to rescue over and above and beyond the uh, bodily functions stuff that you've had to go through. So, thank you. Good segue, Naomi. Tell me a little bit about your, um, you, you've done more than transport animals. You foster yeah. animals as well. So tell me a little bit about your foster experience and then the specific um, situation that we're going to talk about with Val and Phoebe. Yes. God, I wish I wish that your podcast existed when she was actually in my home, but I'm, I'm very eager for this because I am going to foster cats again. So I've been fostering animals since 2008. So it's been a while. And I took a break there having my kids. I've, you know, I had back-to-back kids. They're a year apart. So there, there's been some reprieve. But here's the thing about fostering is that I think most people want to do good and they want to open their home and their hearts. And it sounds like this wonderful, beautiful thing to do. And it is. But there, I find that there's not a lot of support with like how to set up your foster and yourself to succeed. Mm. And it's going to be hard no matter what, right? Because this new being is in your house. There's a new personality soul in your home. It's going to be weird. Um, but if you don't have like a setup, then it's it's extra hard. 
And I definitely did not have guidance or any idea of what to do. Um, So I've fostered up to this point. I think my family and I have fostered 62 animals. Wow. We, yeah, we've gotten much better at it. Um, (laughs) I'm like, I like to, I look, you're the, you're the trainer. Okay. I, 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 I used to think that um, when these animals come right out of the shelter, that I should just love them up. And I do love them up. But I have found that what they need more than that is like a moment to chill out. Mm-hmm. So I've learned to be a little like, it's not withholding. It's just giving that love and attention when they're calm as mm-hmm. opposed to when they're freaking out, which is often what happens when they first come in. Mm-hmm. Um but you know what, Naomi? I love fostering animals because it makes me good at loving. Because every animal that comes has a new personality and a different set of like likes and dislikes, and it's just, it, they're just different. And they're, they make my house a little different than they were yesterday, and that makes me have to adapt. Mm-hmm. And that sort of like flexibility, I think, it, it makes me better at loving other beings. Mm-hmm. Sort of mixing what they bring into the recipe of my life as an act of love that, that to me is like, makes me build that muscle for me. So I'm, I love fostering. I love fostering. I cry every time they leave, whether they're here for, you know, two weeks or six months, but I still love it. And I, I always do it. So you currently have a dog, Sassy. Yeah. Um, was how old is she? What is her story? Sassy was a foster. So she's 11-ish. She's a beagle mix. I am more than slightly obsessed with hounds. I don't know why. I just freaking love a hound. I also love a snout in general. Nothing against <laughs> nothing against pugs and English bulldogs. Like, I, I see you. I appreciate you guys. But, like, I want a snout. I want a big, like, Adrian Brody. You know, we're Jews. I have an appreciation for give me something I can hang on to. And so I really love this just hound and the fact that they just can't control the usage of it. They just have to smell every blade of grass. I'm obsessed with them. So anyway, I had my first rescue dog, Ophelia Beagle, um, was still alive. She recently died about a month ago. Brutal. Do you know? I I was married to her and my husband, I like to say. We were in a throuple. Um, she was my first rescue. Sassy came in as a foster, 11-ish years old with heartworm, heartworm positive. And, um, she never left because my, she walked in, my husband was like, this dog's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. True. And she is obsessed with my kids. So it makes it really nice. So she's stayed. Ophelia has passed. Um, we have fostered a dog in between there and we're looking for our next fosters. I do want cats, but not without talking to you. Well, excellent. So if you, some people have issues with hounds and cats, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, any, any dog can have an overreaction to cats um, in terms of prey and just general excitability. Um, but the groups of dogs that tend to come to me Hounds and herdy type dogs. Some like shepherds as well, like German shepherds, like are technically herd, whatever. Yeah. I don't think of them as herding dogs, but, <laughs> um, you know, the cattle dogs and all of them. And I love, so, I love a shepherd. 
Oh my yeah. God, do I love it. I mean, there's just people in dog costumes. I just love a shepherd. So <laughs> yeah. So it's not Need unheard you. of to have issues with hounds and, and cats when they come in. Um, when you are looking to set something up, you, you really need to look at your house. That's one of the first things you mentioned the decompression that needs to happen. And with cats, that's really interesting when they come in from the shelter. I mean, there are some that literally hide for days, right? There, (laughs) um, for whatever reason, they're super stressed. Cats don't deal well with change. Um, and there are others that are like, I'm raring to go. Let's, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to be separated. Get me out of this room. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so what's difficult is more with those cats, because the, the wisdom is you put a cat in a room, a smallish room, let them kind of decompress, get to know that area, and then slowly expand their territory until they can go all around the house. And especially if you have a dog, that dog needs to get used to that cat scent and all of that and they shouldn't have all this freedom hmm. um, right off the bat yeah but if you have let's say a young kitten so a lot of fosters are like you know a mom with kittens yes. or young or like pairs of young cats or so many different things they're like i don't want to hang out in this bathroom yeah give me out yeah um and so when you're talking about setup of a, of a, of a space, when you're bringing in a cat, a kind of an unknown cat, um, you have to be flexible. So I would actually recommend setting up multiple safe zones Mm -hmm. around the house. Good idea. So you're still going to have barriers. You're still going to be constantly supervising, but if you have a cat that comes into your house and they're like, cool, this bathroom, great, I'm done. Let's keep going. Yeah. (laughs) Then you're going to be swapping the dog and the cats into different spaces for a while. So we want them to be able to still be safe and away from each other, have barriers in between, but to not stress the cat out that they are stuck in this one spot. So how can you do that? There's... Depends on what your house looks like, right? Yeah, I'm, I would imagine so much of it is that layout and your kids. I'm like, I'm keep thinking of my kids opening doors and such. Yeah, so you always want to try to have two layers of barriers uh-huh. so that if someone leaves a gate open, there's another door or some other thing in between, okay. um, if possible. But, you know, there are ha- many houses have multiple rooms, which is good. <laughs> Um, although I have worked in houses where it's like all open floor plan or like Ooh. a studio apartment and Very interesting. Harder. Mm-hmm. Um, but something as simple as baby gates across a small room, an office, right? It doesn't have, you know, you could have the cat be in a, in the bathroom for a little while and then transfer them to an office and then the dog is in the bedroom next door and then you swap them for a little bit of time so that just like everyone is just moving around for those first couple of usually about a week yeah and if you have a cat that is really amped and ready to go and confident then you have much more of a chance of getting them to actually interact with the dog appropriately, depending on what kind of dog you have. 
So, so tell me a little bit about your experience when you had a cat foster and a dog that didn't go so well. So I can give you a little bit more tailored. Thank you. Yes. Because as you were talking, I was about to ask, how do I know <laughs> it, what my potential of a successful relationship? How, how can I grade that? Because I've only had, so here, well, this is a, a two-part answer. One, uh, and if you're, if you don't want to answer this right now, you tell me when you're ready, but any, any tips for people with allergies who are obsessed with cats and don't, don't, you know, circle back to no hairdryer, don't necessarily have the best self-care all the time, but shouldn't have a cat in her home. I'm talking about myself. My kids are obsessed with cats. My husband's like at this point deferred to whatever cat situation is going to go on. I adore them, but I'm allergic. Naomi, if you have any tips for beating this allergy, I will have more than one cat is what I'm getting at. And I want all the permission to have all the animals. So I'm okay. I'm, I will, I'll table that for now. Thank considering you. Considering I am not an allergist, although. Uh... <laughs> Season three, I don't know. <laughs> yes, I will go get another degree and then um, come back for a new season. Um, yeah, I actually am slightly allergic to my animals as well. I take Claritin every day. Okay, good to know that it's just, maybe it's a Claritin situation. But okay, so Val, as in Kilmer was our um, foster cat. Oh my God, Naomi. Oh my Lord. I can't even with this cat. My, I took my kids. I hadn't been fostering. My kids were like, I think three and four. And I had taken a couple years uh, break of fostering, uh, you know, just major mom mode. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you know, and uh, I had Ophelia, my beagle. And at that time I had a shepherd, a Belgian Malinois shepherd mix named Phoebe who, full disclosure, was the first dog I ever took home from the South LA Animal Shelter in Los Angeles, where I was a volunteer. She was not the first shepherd that I'd seen getting surrendered, but um, it was her third time being surrendered to the shelter. Uh, She was so dirty. She was gray. Underneath that, she had this beautiful tan coat, and I didn't know the first time I saw her. And I, I, I truly, to this day, I can't put into words why I took her home. It was just sort of this, I was there when she came in and she was just like, I'm going home with you vibe. And I was like, I guess I'm going to have to figure that out. They called me the day that she was going to get put down. I went and picked her up. She came home with me. Very difficult dog. Just terrible at being a dog. Loved her. Taught me everything worth knowing. I, I became a dog trainer because of her. Um, I'm no longer a full-time dog trainer. Kudos to you. You're an amazing person. Um, <laughs> I'm always there for supportive coaching, but it's it's really hard work. Um, anyways, I, I, I really admire you. But all this to say, Phoebe was a foster that never left. We had her 11 and a half years. Um, she was five when we adopted, when we took her in, but she was so very difficult that she required a lot of setup. And we knew we were the only people who would, you know, do it. I was like, I don't trust anyone else to do that. What she needs, she aggressive with people. Would eat a cat a day. Well, my kids and I, a couple years ago, we stopped at the animal shelter to consider taking in a foster. We had Ophelia and Phoebe. All the dogs were barking, going, you know, crazy as they do. Hey, I'm over here. Pick me. Um, and we took refuge in the cat room. And one of the shelter staff took advantage of us. <laughs> said, look at this six-month-old kitten. Her name is Val, as in Kilmer. And that was it. 
I was like, oh my God, we're just going to foster her for the weekend. We can manage Phoebe over the weekend. Because walking Phoebe, if I had seen a cat walking Phoebe, would have been a nightmare. So I already knew. The problem was we took Val home and my children felt, I'm talking a love that I could not have foreseen. Like, like truly, I was like, oh, I have cat, I have cat people for children. Like, this is what they've wanted. But I also fell in love deeply. She would do that thing, Naomi, you know, where they give you those like little half bites. Mm-hmm. They're not hurting, but just like their little teeth to be like, you're my mom. And I was like, I am. <laughs> I was, and, and my beagle, Ophelia, was obsessed with her. But Phoebe wanted to, I mean, she really, she really wanted to eat her. And it was so stressful. And I don't, I didn't do what you just said, which is to have those stations. What I ended up doing was um, being kind of behind the eight ball. So always reacting, I think, Mm. instead of preventing. Um, Mm. Val was in a bathroom. Phoebe would be free, try to get in the bathroom. Then I'd put Phoebe outside and let Val in. It was just, I was, I, I felt behind it. And the way you described it felt like, no, if you set it up, then you're, you feel that confidence about what you're doing. So I really heard that. Yeah. Well, so when you have a dog that is, has so, okay. When you have a dog that is a project on many different levels, Mm. it is often the thing that I, contrary to my professional and money-making goals, will say, (laughs) you don't need this aggravation, extra aggravation, right? So if, if the dog really struggles outside, right, I mean, she's... Uh, Malinois, you know, he who just like can't exist, you know, as a pet, right? And the uh, being outside is really difficult, so many triggers, all that stuff. We all know dogs like this. Then in the home, needs to be at least a safe ish, such a good point. And she came, she was there first, totally. And she's less adoptable than a six month old kitten, so. I would say in your situation, we would rehome the cat, which is what you did. That's what we did. We yeah. let Val get adopted. so hard, right? Obviously that, you know, and not everyone's situation is going to be, you know, you would have many different management options and all of this stuff, but you have a, a situation that is untenable for everyone in the house, yes. right? Yes. There's so much stress that is unnecessary given the scenario and you did not do anything wrong by saying we've committed to this dog who has lots of shit going on <laughs> right that and, is her that was her clinical diagnosis yeah yeah honest. exactly that's the vb wrote that on the on the form um <laughs> general craziness of all different things going on so yeah that was a stupid thing to say um it's true you were you're right though and she also in in fairness to phoebe you know i she was five years old when we took her in had been back and forth at different homes the shelter back and forth had never lived with dogs and then put in a kennel with three other shepherds because they're trying not to euthanize needlessly in los angeles but 
don't have the space. I mean, it was it was a crazy time. There were fights in her kennel. It wasn't it wasn't no one had set her up to succeed. And yeah, yeah what I what I think she would have wanted was to live with a 70 year old woman, just her and that woman and sleep in bed with her and, and protect and serve her for the rest of her days. She got, you know, a very talkative Cuban Jew here in me and that Cuban Jew's husband and then two children and another beagle and a bunch of fosters. And she did really well considering yeah. we, we got her pretty far, but I love what you said about the reality of it. Because once that cat, cat came, it was like, this is too much and yeah. it's unfair to her. And and then, and she was here first, like you said. Yeah. And it's, it it's, you are a very caring person and you go above and beyond for the animals and the other people in your home. Thank but you. we have to also think of ourselves as the caretakers of these beings, right? That even if they're having the most wonderful time and they're not stressed at all, which is almost never true, <laughs> but we are running ourselves ragged, managing and stressing out over if someone's going to get hurt or if the man, the kids are going to leave the gate open or all of this stuff that yes. we don't have control over. Something needs to change. So I have a question for you. Yes. Any advice on how to shorten the time and just for myself in the future, the future, shorten the time between what I want to will to happen, which is there could be a chance in the world that Phoebe and Val get along. I was so convinced that maybe that could happen. How does how do you recommend to your clients who are as stubborn as I am to sh how do you shorten that gap between like, listen, that's not going to happen. A dog like Phoebe has tremendous prey drive and, and and that's been proven over the 10 years at that point because she lived to be about another year after that. It's not going to happen or maybe what it would take for it to happen is not even feasible for your life. So the reality is that you can adopt out a six-month-old kitten and she's got the best home and I get pictures. I follow her on Instagram. So, you know, <laughs> she's living yeah. her best life. She's basically a celebrity. How do you shorten that gap? Yeah, so... This is where I turn into an unofficial human therapist. Yes. Um, I have many hats, um, but this is actually one of my favorite because so many of us in this, this the world of animal caretaking that we live in, not every animal caretaker is like this, but many of us are uh, highly optimistic, mm. <laughs> um, and risk of risk tolerant to a point that might be a little reckless yeah. when we're talking about, you know, the lives of animals, right? We, we feel like this animal's life is in our hands. And in some ways it is. Totally. Totally. Right? Now, how do you, help someone say, okay, <laughs> um, I need to let go of that and look at stuff objectively. I usually say, let's start with some data. So I have people write down like how many times a day there is some big blow up conflict, mm. how many times a day they are having a panic 
about what's happening. Yeah. How many times a day something intense that could have gone wrong went, you know, ended up being okay. Like all of these things to really lay it out and say, is this something that if it didn't change, could I live with? Ooh, that's a really good question because yeah. And you know what? That's the question in human relationships too. I see a lot of people you know, in partnerships and they go like, well, he will change or she will change. And that follow-up question is, I think, the real behavior analysis. Like, oh, oh, great, great. I love your faith. What will happen if he or she doesn't change? Exactly. Because the act of, t- the act of loving, I think, a being, what you're saying is making me think this, that the act of loving a being is so much louder than what we say. <laughs> you know, it, it is an act of acceptance, right? I, I love you. You're come in is much louder than, uh, but you're going to, you know, stop eating bread or whatever thing we all, we, we I wish for myself. No, I mean, it, wanting a being to change is not enough. The wanting of it. Yeah. I, I like to think also about realistic expectations from a like a thousand foot view Mm -hmm. right so we have a let's every behavior is on a continuum you know there's the most intense version of it and then the tiniest little glimmers all right so um and it's like a dial on a volume machine you know like a one of those uh, cd mixers not that I'm a DJ, but you know what I mean, right? Like I do. You can, <laughs> I can see it. No, you, it's a good mental you, image. You can slide it up and down, <laughs> right? And the minute you get an animal into your care, they have sliders set at certain spots, right? Behavior modification most realistically can move a slider up or down, let's say three points out of 10. Mm-hmm. Right. But you're, if you have a 10 animal of whatever that slider is, you're not going to get to a zero. Yeah. I mean, if they had a brain transplant, maybe. And you, that's right. right. You can't lobotomize them. I couldn't lobotomize Phoebe. And even if her behavior changed completely, I would anticipate that you would never trust her 100%. No, no, I wouldn't. No. I wouldn't so have. then you would have two de- decision points, right? If we did, if we got her to a seven, would this be manageable? Right. That would be the kind of like most realistic expectation that we could say. You could push it further if you wanted or were able to, um, but you can't count on that. And you really can't count on it moving towards that seven either, mm-hmm. but that would be generally realistic, right? And if that's not tenable, if you have a cat in a house that needs to be free yeah, and a dog that was at a 10 and is now at a seven, but can- is still fixated on that cat and totally. no matter what, yep, you know, maybe they won't kill them. Because I won't let them, but if right. they had a chance. Right. And, but then you would have to be on guard for, blank number of years <laughs> yeah. and you have young children, right? There's so many factors. There's so that go many. Into it. 
Um, and I found that since I've become a parent, um, my kids are five and three, my ability to do anything except for keep them alive and like maybe shower um, is, <laughs> is so low that that is a huge factor for any human household that has other animals to take care of. I mean, just other humans to take care of. Dude, yes. Like a job, right? <laughs> you know, like normal people things. You but know, we can't make our lives revolve around this particular issue. No, and the truth is, but even like, those, even even gifts, like we we went out of town and like, that's a gift, right? To, to be able to go out of town as a family, coming home coming back from out of town, dealing with like just the needs of like the kids, the unpacking, the grocery, like washing the clothes, like the animal, just what it takes for me to come home from a vacation is so intense that I can't imagine on top of that. And And that's the thing that I think this issue sort of touches on is I identify as an animal person. I, I am a huge animal lover. And wherever someone else falls on that spectrum, I want to talk about it because of the way I feel about animals and what they've done for my life, what, what that love has done for my life. But having to reckon with the decisions that I've made and and sort of balance like my love with reality. Like my kids mm-hmm. wanted to keep this cat forever. And I had to, for her sake and for Phoebe's sake, for their sake and my own, mm-hmm. I ha- and my marriage had to mm-hmm. be willing to say, "I'm going to disappoint you right now," and I have to hold that. You want to keep this cat forever? I get it. We're so lucky that we got to foster her for a month. She's delicious. She mm-hmm. has the best home waiting for her. Like the be- I'm going to disappoint you and we're going to cry and it's going to be hard, but this is the life we have. We're all going to walk through that together. I had to be willing to do that. And I also had to be willing to look at myself as an animal lover who had to let go of a cat that I didn't want to let go Mm -hmm. of. All those things sort of had to happen. And that was, that was more difficult (laughs) than, you know, than dealing with Phoebe. It was, it was the more difficult part because I had to sort of square who I thought I was with who I had to be. Yeah. And one thing we haven't touched on is the idea of Val being a foster versus a cat that you had adopted. Totally. Right? So even though there's this whole, this, you know, foster to adopt is a thing, foster fails happen all the time, even though I hate that term, but yeah. right. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, you know, it's very, she could have very easily stayed. Right? Yes. Theoretically. Um, just the, the fact that so many people bring animals in and there's an adoption contract that feels like it's a marriage contract, right? You cannot let this animal go. And there's so much shame put upon you if you make that decision, Mm -hmm. right? Val being a foster, it's not as shameful because she was supposed to leave, it is right? true. It is true. The only, like, <sighs> was the family, you loved the her. Yeah. So the kids, you know, felt like she was home. Yes. Um, but logistically, right, expectation-wise, You're right. There, there wasn't that hurdle to overcome. Um, but so many rescue 
situations push for an adoption to be forever. And as if it doesn't work out for whatever reason, there's a, a lot of, a lot of negative feelings about that. And I think that just like any behavior, relinquishing an animal for there's many different reasons more are some are quote more acceptable than others yeah (laughs) Um, in my mind and obviously that's an ethical discussion and not objective right it's not an objective yeah um but in my mind i've made this kind of line in the sand of if there is a safety issue and or the stress level for the animals and the humans is so high that it's untenable. I've had people who have had to go on medis- medication yeah. because of the stress that they've been under. I've had people who have basically never left their home. They couldn't go on vacation because uh. no sit there, you know, watch their animals. Um, I don't think that that is what, being in a relationship with a pet in a family member should be. I totally agree with you. It doesn't. Yeah. Being miserable, uh, but but you're being held hostage. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, And obviously you'll do as much as you possibly can to improve that relationship and make everything work. It's not just like, Oh, this is not working immediately. Bye. For sure. But very few people that come to me (laughs) are, have not tried so, so many things. Um, but the thing is that, and it, it's, it, it's with all relationships. Like I wish that love was enough. I wish love was everything. And I, mm-hmm. and we want to believe that it is, but even in marriage, right. In, in human relationships, even in friendships, you hold up a life picture and that other person holds up a life picture. And if those pictures don't match, it doesn't matter how much you love each other. It, it's probably going to be really hard. Because you don't want the same things. You don't want life to look the same. And I feel like there's a version of that with our animals. You know, we loving them is the most beautiful thing in the world. And I understand not wanting to let it go. But that is, to be honest, the easiest part. Uh, it, there's a lot more life picture to look at. And to really untangle yourself from that love that feels so good. And ask yourself if this is the right situation for you and for them. Yeah. Totally different question. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is the the cliche thing. If you love them, let them, let them go. Oh yeah. You're right though. It's a um, good point right there. It makes sense. We, we can definitely talk about the management that you could have done and probably did do with Val and Phoebe. I mean, gates, leashes, muzzles, perhaps. Yep. Um, Ooh, the muzzle made her crazy. She was like, I would literally do anything to rip this thing off my, you know, it felt unfair, but yes. Right. Yes. Um, you know, a, a lack of, I mean, just those things. Um, and then because she couldn't be really outside as much, that wasn't a safe place either. Um, and Phoebe, uh, sorry, Val being a prey animal probably was not pleased having a very intense large (laughs) so uh eyeballs right you know that creepy (laughs) stare that those those very intense dogs do um so but even like past management right you could throw a lot of cookies at it you could even punish her for 
you know, any kind of antagonistic behaviors that she might have shown towards the cat. Um, but there's so much other shit. There's just so much else that you would never, you, okay, always and never horrible words, Naomi, stop it. Um, <laughs> you would most likely be unable to get to a point where that management could be relaxed and you would feel safe enough to allow them to coexist. Now, what does coexistence look like to me? Um, I ask that of all of my clients, by the way, when I first intake them, I say, what does coexistence look like to you? Because my, it's a good my question. cat and dog coexistence, like that's yeah. like my goal. Yeah. Everyone has a different definition. But in general, I say that coexistence is a life together, not necessarily free of barriers or boundaries, but where everyone has all of their needs met mm -hmm. either separately and like alongside each other or together where if there is conflict, the animals have the skills to be able to work through that conflict appropriately with minimal help from the humans. It's a so good definition. That is a good definition. And I feel like at the end of the day, you know, being in a relationship with an animal is so much knowing. There's just so much gut feeling knowing where that communication exists between you and your pet that that I, I I will say even unpacking this in retrospect with you is helpful because there still is residual guilt and there still are mm -hmm. residual doubts about like, ah, oh, but could I have dedicated my life to the, you know, partnership of Val and Phoebe in union in my home it's at the expense of what? But I know, you know, the knowing in my gut at the time and still is we had taken Phoebe so far. We had worked so hard together. She was 15 when that cat came in into our lives and she didn't want it. And she had worked hard to be a member of our family. And what we, yeah. what we had together, I mean, I was so proud because we earned every single day that we enjoyed together. We earned that shit. So it was like, at some point it was like, how much more do I need to ask of you? Mm -hmm. You've learned to live with other dogs. You've learned to live with kids. There are yeah. boundaries in place that you can handle. And this one was, it felt egregious. And I, I had that knowing. And I, I really appreciate this conversation to remember that, that, that instinct, that gut feeling is probably right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, age does sometimes have play a role right like <laughs> when you have an older animal who has been in homeostasis and yeah. then throw their life into turmoil not doesn't sit well just like you were saying it's not you know the best feeling in the world um but also on the flip side if you have an animal who is very young and there's all of these issues and you could anticipate that these issues would continue for 10 to 15 years. 
right? That's another consideration. It's totally, totally. different. Um, but those are the kinds of situations that we put ourselves in. Yeah. Not, not usually knowing that that's the, <laughs> that's the issue um, that's going to happen. But, you know, it's, it's okay. Thank you. I give you permission to sun right in my eyes. I saw that sunbeam. This is, <laughs> y'all can't see, but. You know, I needed the okay. I needed to get back into the convo and I needed to hear your okay. So thank you because I did. You're welcome. And people listening might say, okay, I might have made a different decision. If you have this, I'd love to discuss this. If you want in the comments or whatever, send yeah. me a DM on Instagram. Um, these are hard discussions and every animal and every household is different. Um, no, no decision making tree or like outline yeah. <laughs> flow chart could be made to have any definitive answers to these things. But we've gone over a lot of the different kind of variables that go into this kind of stuff, right? The amount of damage that could be done, done, the amount of stress that the humans are under, the amount of stress that the animals are under, the fact that maybe some of the animals or both of them are not able to get all of their needs met. Um, the space and its ability to be able to uh, ability to handle the type of management that needs to happen. Yeah. Um, the skill of the humans, whether there's children, all of this stuff goes into this kind of decision. Um, and no matter what you decide, as long as you don't take that decision lightly and you consult with people and you really sit with it, um, and make sure that <laughs> you have reasons for doing what you've decided to do. I absolve all of you <laughs> from totally. whatever you, whatever you decide, whether it's to keep an animal, whether it's to rehome them or even to euthanize, if that is where it has gotten, um, I'm one of my main goals as a behavior professional is to help the humans who are the kind of people that I attract and, and who are attracted to rescue and things like that, yeah. who, who take everything on themselves. Um, and yeah. we're, and we're, we're, we're abundant in this field. Big, big anxiety, <laughs> big em empaths, big, yeah. You just nailed me. Right. And, yeah. and you really just need to know that you matter. Thank you for, you. thank you for saying that. And, and yeah, you know, if, if rehoming is an option and you work hard to find a safe, happy home, you know, wow, you, you're yeah. still a part of that animal's life and story. And, and you're, yeah, you, that's still love. Um, a thousand percent. So trusting your gut on that, I think trusting your gut in general, I can't wait for you to come on the animal that changed you and share your story on how you were changed by an animal and how you got to be where you are now. So I just want you to know that I'm also very much looking forward to unpacking <laughs> your side of the tale. Oh, goody. Yes. 
<laughs> I'm I'm very happy that I will also be a guest on your podcast and everyone should stay tuned and switch over to that episode on Cocktails Podcast because I'm amazing and everyone should listen yeah. to my voice for two hours in a row. I think um, I think that that's that's there's evidence of that. Yes, data. <laughs> and I also think hearing I love to hear extraordinary guests talk about the extraordinary animals that change their lives, especially when someone has extraordinary knowledge about behavior. So that's at the point of my show, the extraordinary guests sharing the extraordinary animal story. But there is something especially shiny for me about people who are extraordinary about behavior. And you are. So to get to unpack animal behavior with you, oh, my God, I'm geeking out now. And it hasn't (laughs) happened yet. I can't wait. I'm excited, too. Um, And so for anyone listening who wants to continue this conversation with either me or Katya, what is the best way to get in touch with you? so that we can kind of all triangulate on this if we want to talk about it. I love that. Love Thank it. you for asking. I'm uh, Katya Litsky on Twitter, and I'm the anim- at The Animal That Changed You. The Animal That Changed You, my, the name of my podcast. That is the, my handle on Instagram, and I'm there a lot. And I have a website, Katya Litsky. And I'm, I do a free senior pet support group where I bring professionals in the senior pet support space and – I am just very much here to he- to hear all your animal stories and and all about the animals you love. So you Naomi and you anybody, um, <laughs> but I'm really happy to be in connection with you and and to feel that same same. So thank you very much for having me and, and sharing your knowledge with me. Of course, and I hope I know that this was helpful for whoever is listening out there. And if this episode has helped anyone feel less alone in their decisions that they've had to make about their animals or with their struggles with their cats and dogs, then I really would like for you to subscribe and rate and review so that you can support this podcast and help others find this show specifically for cat and dog content, since there isn't that much out there. No, we need you. (laughs) And please follow me on Instagram at Praiseworthy Pets. That's where I hang out too. I would love to hear your suggestions for people I should interview next and also some topics that we might want to discuss. And if your pets aren't getting along and you want to improve their relationship, but you really don't know how to do it, I am opening up courses and um, consulting for early 2022, which is now-ish, but I'm not really ready yet. So I'm calling it early 2022. Um, That will take you step by step through the process that I use with all of my clients um, from establishing your management plan to creating setups and helping your pets go from cranky to coexisting. So please go to praiseworthypets.com slash course to get on the wait list. And thank you all for listening. You wonderful cat and dog people. I will see you next week for more It's Training Cats and Dogs. And thank you, Katya, again. Thank you.